Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The NFL draft finished up this past weekend and we're going to be wrapping up our coverage for the 2022 NFL draft before we flip the page to the 2023 class. I'm Joe DeLeon here with Ryan Roberts to discuss what our favorite picks were per each round of the 2022 NFL draft. Ryan, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, yeah. I mean, just doing like the last few, you know, reaction stuff and then we get to go into 2023. I'm already excited for 2023. Yeah, I, I think some people may not fully realize how, how much or how little you can really do post-draft to, to break this stuff down. So we do all this work, yeah. and then the draft comes, you cover the draft, and then afterwards, it's just like, ah, here's our thoughts, and then now it's time for the next class. This is what NFL beat writers are for. They can have yeah. their they can have their opinion on how each player fits because it's... The, the one thing I will say, though, is usually beat writers are very like optimistic obviously right because they don't follow the draft as yeah. much they're just like wow this guy fits well and what a great pick and I, I do like the fact that when we do the instant reactions we're very unbiased towards that you know and we kind of give a real reaction which is going to be unpopular for some people but I, I it's it's real you know it's it's not just fluff which is good yeah we don't we don't want to give you any fluff and, and there's there's always a lot of like wow this sixth round pick is going to be a a great developmental starter eventually, and then, then that guy's getting cut in three years. So uh, trying to be as realistic. But today, the goal that we're going to do to wrap up our coverage on the 2022 class is to discuss the guys that we loved in each in particular round, what our favorite pick was based on value, based on fit, all the factors that make it a, a really good move in each round. Before we get to that, though, I just want to tell you guys about Bet Online. I, I know we talked a little betting for the 2022 NFL draft. Ryan, actually, it turns out I broke even. Uh, my the, the amount that I made was updated much later than it was supposed to be, so I ended up breaking that's, even. That's not that bad, man. I I, I, made, I made like 80 bucks, but like not compared bad. to last year, it wasn't very good, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah but that was, that that's, was last that, year. That tip last year was nice. I should just ran with the Drake London wide receiver one bit and just... That should have just been my focus this year. <laughs> should have. Uh, yeah, you could have could have made some more money if you put a lot more money on that. But yep. uh, if you want to bet on the NBA playoffs, we also have the NHL playoffs going on as well as MLB regular season. If you want to go bet on that, head to Bet Online. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to join. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Ryan, heading to round one first to start us off. The pick that I had to go with, I think, is an obvious one. I had another one in there because I thought you were going to go with what I was going to go with, but I changed it up after you selected somebody else. Kyle Hamilton going 14 to the Baltimore Ravens, I, I think, is a, a fantastic pick and an unexpected one. 
I didn't think he was going to make it out of the top 10, let alone fall all the way to 14. He ends up falling to a Baltimore Ravens team that didn't even need to move to go get him. And we spoke about during the draft and after the draft how this team knows how to properly use its defensive talent. And you're getting the most talented player in the class, the most unique player in the class. They're going to find very unique ways to deploy him this upcoming season. I'm obsessed with this pick. I think this landing spot, it's pretty scary to know that he's going to be a Baltimore Raven and that he's not going to end up being the best player on a bad defense like if he went to the Detroit Lions or the Houston Texans. Well, the only the only concern I had with the pick is that safety wasn't necessarily a need. You know, obviously they had signed Marcus Williams to a five-year, $70 million deal. They had signed uh, Chuck Clark assigned, but apparently Chuck Clark might be dispensable now. Apparently he's rumored to be traded. So I think Kyle Hamilton at the 14th pick is an absolute steal. Like there's no doubt about it. I mean, you could have picked the Ravens in every single round because <laughs> every pick felt like a value. So, you know, Kyle Hamilton for me was the best safe, the best player in this draft. If we're not counting, obviously positional value, we're not moving offensive tackles and defensive ends up into the board. Kyle Hamilton, I thought was the most rare player in this draft. So for me, yeah, it's a fantastic fit. Fantastic pick 14th overall to get potentially the best player in the draft. Slam dunk. It was easy pick too. Easy pick. Yeah, they didn't have to do do much thinking for him to to slide that fall, and and they significantly benefit from it. But basically, the the premise of besting uh, drafting best available, and the, and that works here for the Baltimore Ravens. Who who was your pick though for the first round? Yeah, I, I went with George Karloftis, and talk about another guy that was a value. I, you know, I had him as a top ten to fifteen player in this class. I preferred him over Aiden Hutchinson, which I know is still a little bit of a. So a little bit of a hot take, and that's fine. I'll roll with the hot take to see how they play in the NFL. But to, for for the Kansas City Chiefs to sit there at 30 and get a guy like a George Karloftis, who I think has double-digit sack potential at the next level on a year-to-year basis, I think he's a potentially better prospect than Ryan Kerrigan was coming out of Purdue. I think that that's at least a conversation to have. You know, If you've preferred Ryan Kerrigan, that's fine. But, I mean, this kid had six foot three plus 270 pounds, 47140, 38-inch vert, 10-foot broad, explosive first step. And this kid has incredible power. Not the longest guy of all time, obviously, but we're talking about a power, true power converter. And to get this kid at 30, I think that's the biggest reason that it's my favorite pick. It's a guy that I valued a lot higher. He ends up in the 30s, the 30 spot and at a position of high priority, like defensive end, pass rushers are at a premium in today's game. So getting a guy like Karloffis at 30, I thought was an absolute steal in the first. That drought on edge rushers that pushed Jermaine Johnson and George Karloftis as far back as they they went seriously helped the Jets, and then here in this situation significantly helps the Kansas City Chiefs. That that's a huge boost for them that they're able to get someone as good as Karloftis now playing on their defensive line. Heading to yep. the second round. Speaking of a, a, another defensive lineman, my favorite second round pick has to be David Ajabo being selected by the Baltimore Ravens. So back to back. Ravens picks and we've got <laughs> we've got a lot of Ravens picks on this show that we're going to be talking about. But Ojabo was somebody pre-Achilles injury at his pro day was considered to be a top 15 pick and he might have gone before Jermaine Johnson and George Karloftis, but he injures the Achilles and we know that the recovery timetable for that is a difficult one. We also know that there is also not a, a guarantee he comes back at, at full explosiveness. There is a, a possibility that it impacts that. But if he does come back fully healthy, 
This is a top 15 pick that you're getting in the second round. But just talking about physical profile and fit, this is the type of edge rusher that the Baltimore Ravens look for. And Ajaba, once he's healthy and he's back, I, I think is going to plug in nicely uh, on a team that has a really good defensive line and already has very good defensive players all over. Similar to the Kyle Hamilton thing, it, it's it's not as much of a, a big need, but because this this defense is already good and you plug him in once he's back, that's what makes the move scary because uh, he doesn't have to be the best player on the defensive line. And he's going to have a redshirt year, obviously, but he's the long term for David Ajabu is going to far exceed the short term. So I love the fit. You know who was probably the biggest advocate of that pick, Joe? I, I bet you, I bet you, Adafi Owe was calling the uh, oh, yeah. the staff. It was like, hey, I play with my dude at Blair Academy there in New Jersey. He's an right. incredible athlete. I mean, they're like the same type of profile, really. Obviously, one went to Penn State, no way. One, another went to in in uh, Ojabo went to Michigan, but I think that it makes a lot of sense to get to reunite these teammates because they're high impact type of athletes at the edge position, and we could be seeing Owe and Ojabo being the two. I mean, as far as just pure explosiveness, that's going to be the most explosive pairing, assuming that Ojabo gets back to his previous form. Yeah. So it, it's worth the wait for the for the Baltimore Ravens, and I know that he fell because of medicals. My second round pick also fell because of medicals, and that is Andrew Booth Jr. for the Minnesota Vikings out of the University of Clemson. For me, Andrew Booth Jr. was the top cornerback in this class from a talent perspective. I would have drafted him in the top 15 or 20 if the if the medicals had come back. Obviously, they did not come back well. So you're sitting now with a player that is, again, lower than what his talent would indicate for that position. So the Minnesota Vikings being a team that I think is going to want to play a mixture of man and zone. But I mean, you're going to throw Andrew Boot Jr. I think early on, as long as he's healthy in at man coverage, and you're just going to eliminate half the field. I think he's that type of athlete, incredible body control and ability to win through contact. Ball skills are incredible down the football field. So I'm a big fan of Andrew Booth here, especially in the second round where I think you got a, a starter and Pro Bowl upside with a guy like an Andrew Booth in the, inside the second round. I think it's fantastic value. Yeah, and I remember during the cycle, we talked a lot about and just people in general talked a lot about how Andrew Booth was in play for that 12th overall pick. So to then get him in the second round because of some of those medical issues, it's perfect. This team needed help at corner. Uh, desperately, they trade back and end up getting Lewis Seen. So you throw in Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth. That secondary that was a huge liability now looks a lot better if both of those players hit. Very athletic, my lord. I mean, because Andrew Booth obviously didn't test with the recovering from you know the medicals and stuff. But I mean, that kid I think was going to run high four threes, forty inch vert, like that type of dude. And then Lewis Seen ran four threes <laughs> at the combine and forty one inch vert. So. Their secondary just got very, very athletic very quickly. My pick for the third round, you took the one that I wanted, and I, I kind of let you take this one because I, I knew we were going to talk about him regardless. And I, I feel like I took a guy that you might have selected here as a, as a second or a third option. But to Marvin Leal, who was your number one rated edge, if I remember correctly, ends up going in the third round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we talked about during the cycle, and you particularly pointed out, that he's a bit of a, a tweener. DeMarvin Leal, we didn't know for sure where he was going to fit, and he might be better off uh, as, as a five technique. And that kind of fits what they like to do in Pittsburgh with those five techniques. I'm not saying that he's comparable to Stefan Tuitt, 
but he could carve out that type of a role because Tua is starting to get older and more and more injured. So that's one where you, you might have just got yourself a starter in the third round. I love it because I think it forces the Marvin Leal into the position that's going to be best best for him long term. He's I think he's a guy that would love to play edge in a, in the real world. Obviously, you know that the pay will be more long term as long as he's a successful football player. But I've been a guy that thinks that he's more of an interior defensive lineman. And the Steelers put him in a situation where DeMarvin Leal is not going to be a stand-up rusher in a 3-4. Like, he's not going to be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Like, that's at 280-something pounds. It's just not going to be what he is. Apparently, Trayvon Walker might be. (laughs) Well, that's a different conversation for a different time. Separate conversation. (laughs) Yes, that's a much separate conversation. But but the point being, if you were a true four-down team that, you know, that DeMarvin Leal was drafted to, then you could have the conversation, is he a defensive end? Is he a defensive tackle? Going to the Steelers, he's not going to be a stand-up rusher opposite of TJ Watt. He, it's just not his profile. So he is going to be a 3-4 defensive end in that system where you can take advantage of some of the end traits that he does have, some of the edge traits that he has, but also you're going to leave him inside a ton. He's going to play five. He's going to play four, four I. I would even put him in at three, you know, at times to rush the passer. So I like the fit because he's going to a really good franchise that stylistically I think fits. And also, I think that it's going to kind of force him into a spot that I think he's better suited for. So, really do like that DeMarvin Leal pick. I continued on the defensive line as well because I think the Baltimore Ravens, and we've now talked about three different Ravens in the first, second, and third round between us. The Ravens got a starting nose tackle in Travis Jones out of UConn in the third round. And I maintain Jordan Davis is a really good player. I don't think the drop-off from Travis Jones is to Jordan Davis is two rounds. Like I, I do not think that that's as big a drop-off as, you, as we're going to see here. I think that he is a guy that traditionally the Ravens, whether it's Holodi Nada or it's Brandon Williams or even back in the day when they were you know, throwing guys out there like Tony Saragusa and Sam Adams, like this is the type of guy that usually does really well in this system. Has length, is incredibly physical, Big guy, massive, does not get moved off the ball much. And I think he's got a little more quickness than you would anticipate for a player his size. So this is a ready-made starting nose tackle going to the Baltimore Ravens in the third round. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a if he's a 10-plus start player in his first year with the Baltimore Ravens because I think he brings a fantastic upside, at worst, an early down run-stopping nose tackle. But I think he's more as well. Yeah, as everybody knows, we're we're big Travis Jones fans uh, on this show. So him him plugging in there, I think he does fit perfectly on that defensive line. It, <clears throat> excuse me. It's just crazy though to see all these guys that fit so perfectly with their scheme and that are probably going to carve out really early roles uh, early on. And and we're talking about a guy who's a third round pick that's going to be able to to do that. So Travis Jones being a Baltimore Raven is definitely huge. And also, I think I said it wrong. You had. Was Leal your your top defensive tackle or edge rusher? He was my top interior defensive lineman. Okay, yep. that's what it was. Okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't want to misquote you there because I started to yes. think, I'm like, wait a minute, you didn't have... You, you already misquote me, man. One of the recap things you said that uh, Drake London was my wide receiver one, and that's just not true. It's it was a, true. That was a long night, man. Even That was, was a long pick, night. It was, was only pick night. eight when I was messing stuff up. <laughs> Oh, that was that was the latest I've stayed up in years. Honestly, by the way, it was like one thirty, and I was still up. I was like, "What is happening right now? This is weird." Yeah, I I felt. I told you the next morning I felt hungover. Uh, I was still sick, which was fantastic, but uh, I still did nonetheless feel like I was hungover. Um, yes. Fourth round, Ryan. We're ripping through these. 
Yep. I have to go with this one, and I know that you hate that I'm bringing this up, but I don't. I don't care. It's I don't your bit, care. man. It's your I'm bit. Gonna, I'm going to ride this to the bank. I'm going to ride this to the freaking bank. Pierre Strong Jr. being selected in the fourth round to the New England Patriots is such a fantastic fit. And I don't know if the the, the round value I think is is what it was. It, it, it he was projected to go somewhere in that range i believe mm-hmm. we even have you on record on the show saying he was projected to go in that range yep. but i spent the cycle saying if pierre strong jr steps into an unsettled quarterback or not quarterback an unsettled running back situation where he can start off with the minimal amount of carries and then eventually carve out a bigger role i think he's capable of being this year's elijah mitchell similar size profile similar speed profile similar in the sense where they're both very experienced coming out of college, coming from smaller programs, have a lot of carries under their belt, and he is going to step in. And I really believe by the the middle of the season could be getting most of the carries for that Patriots team. And and that's what they like in, in a type of a running back in New England is these experienced guys that know how to read a hole. And he's probably, the, I think he's the fastest guy in that group of running backs. So yeah. give me him. If you want a dark horse offensive rookie of the year candidate and you want to go put some oh. bets down and go put down other, I don't think it's unrealistic, man. And I don't care if I sound like a jackass saying it. <laughs> it's just a New England thing, though, right? Like they rotate running backs so much. It's hard to. They hard do, to but they also ride the hot hand from time to time. But okay, we said the same yeah, thing like about the 49ers. Wait, wait, we like said that they, games. we said the same thing about the 49ers that Elijah Mitchell led the team in rushing and he had a thousand yards this past year. Yeah, but I mean, that only happened because Raheem Mostert got hurt. I mean, honestly, that only happens. Damian Harris gets hurt all the time. Look, I'm not projecting that Pierre Strong Jr. breaks the uh, the career rushing record in the NFL. I'm not saying gonna, that. I think he's going to run. He's going to run for 2,000 yards next year, according to Joe DiLeo. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if his career has the long-term projection as some of these other guys because of the amount of carries and hits that he's taken in, in, in college. But if we're talking about something to step in, have a very immediate short-term impact, it might only be for like a couple of years. That's why I'm pushing him is that I think that experience helps him to be an Elijah Mitchell or James Robinson. And then maybe fall uh, off after a couple of years. It's fair, man. Getting away from Joe's homerism for to a degree, because I know he's a big South Dakota State fan, which is pretty hysterical. Joshua Williams, Fayetteville State cornerback, who you know, Joe, I talked to before the draft that I thought maybe he can go day two. He ends up going fourth round, so just outside of day two, to the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, this is... This is fantastic. This is a fantastic fit, not only for a team that needs cornerback help, but I also think Joshua Williams, from a talent level perspective, is probably the most talented cornerback on that roster. Six foot two plus, long arms, deep speed. I mean, he ran like four five, uh, four five high, uh, four five low. Excuse me, like four five one. I think four five two. Good tester overall. Just the combination of length and athleticism is fantastic, and he was a former. I believe he was a former JUCO player that was a JUCO wide receiver that had made the transition to cornerback during his Fayetteville State career. And I thought he went to the Senior Bowl and he showed some press man tech man where like he was putting dudes in stall mode at the line of scrimmage. Like guys, just momentum was killed. So I'm a fan of him in the fourth round. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts a few games for the Kansas City Chiefs early on in his career because I think that length and athleticism profile is enough where Kansas City is going to be very, very excited about him. So Joshua Williams to a cornerback needy Kansas City Chiefs in the fourth round. I think it's a great fit. And just because he's a small school guy that was a later pick does not mean that he can't step in and play right away. So keep an eye yes. out for Joshua Williams because he, he certainly has that that capability. 
For the fifth round, Ryan, uh, I decided to go with Tariq Woolen, the UTSA corner who is is now a Seattle Seahawk. And I, I know he spent a lot of the cycle bashing those who <laughs> talked about Tariq Woolen as yep. a day two pick. I was trying to be more realistic. And what I was saying on him is that this is a day three guy and he needs to go in the right situation. And you said a ton of that on the show as well because he's tall, he's six foot four, and he can't freaking turn, but he's fast. Ran a four two six, and the mm-hmm. perfect situation we jokingly said from time to time was if he went to the the Seattle Seahawks. And here he is in the fifth round, which is much better value for Tariq Woolen. Is going to play in a system that knows how to utilize tall, long corners, athletic corners. You don't need to ask him to turn a lot because they run a lot of zones. So I, I think that this this pick could really be a serious value pick for the Seahawks, and he could carve out a nice role in their secondary. Yeah, no, I. I... I think that it's the perfect fit for Tariq Woolen. The, the, the day two hype was a little too much, but going to a team that traditionally runs a lot of cover three and a lot of press bail, I think is fantastic for him because he is long as anything, the longest corner we probably have ever seen from a height and plus length perspective, and he's a 4-2 athlete. So you can work with him. And I know Pete Carroll has done a good job in that staff of developing cornerbacks in the past, obviously with guys like Richard Sherman and Byron Maxwell. They've done a really good job in that department. Even Trey Flowers, who was a – safety at Oklahoma state and transition to a, to that cover three style corner. I like the fit for what it is in that regard. I have a little bit of homerism, Joe. I called you a Homer a couple picks ago. Yeah, I was about to say that this is just yeah. as much of a Homer pick. This is actually is. more of a Homer pick because it's for a team you root for and a team that you cover. It is. Yeah, no, it, this is the ultimate Homer pick. Cause for people that don't know, I cover recruiting at irishbreakdown.com and I picked a former Notre Dame player, Kyron Williams, who's a fantastic player. And I'm also an L.A. Rams fan. And he falls to the L.A. Rams with the fifth-round pick. Shut up, dude. Stop shaking your head. But <laughs> it is – I love the fit, Joe, and I kind of highlighted in an article recently. The reason I like it is because Sean McVay is a really talented offensive mind. He, I think he's going to be able to get Kyron Williams involved in the passing game early on. The Rams, in 17 games last year, the running backs only had 53 combined receptions in 17 games. So a low total in general. I think Kyron's going to give you a nice little boost early on in his career just in the passing game. And then the other fact of it is Cam Akers has dealt with injuries in the past, most recently with the Achilles, obviously last year, that cost him most uh, most of the year into the playoff run. And then Daryl Henderson, excuse me, not Daryl Williams, Daryl Henderson, the other running back, has had really nice spurts of playing for the Rams, but has just seemed to always have a nagging injury or two, you know, throughout the course of a year. So I think that Kyron Williams is literally one injury away from being a mainstay at running back. And also I think at worst, he gives you a nice, a nice baseline as a pass catching running back to go along with the other two. So really like to fit with the LA Rams. I think they're going to use him well. And he goes to the Super Bowl champion. So, yeah. Well, and also he goes to your favorite team, but yes. nonetheless, nonetheless, though, uh, you know, Kyron, similar to the Pierre Strong situation, goes to a team that has an unsettled starter running back. We don't know for sure who the, who the main guy is coming into the season because they use a lot of different guys. But more importantly, they're all inconsistently healthy. So you give Kyron like one good game and he starts to get more and more carries each game. And then you're also mentioning he has those those that ability as, as a pass catching running back to add that to to carve out an additional role. Um yep. Sixth round, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I decided to go with Mari Barno, the very speedy edge rusher from Virginia that, Tech. Goes to the that's who, that's who I was going to pick. That's who I was going to pick. That was my second option. But yeah, Good yeah, point. I was I was debating who I wanted here, and I go I went with the Mari Barno, and and this is just simply because he fell all the way to the sixth round, and that team 
very underrated defensive line, and you, you can work him in as a, a situational pass rusher. I don't think he's going to be a, a full-time starter, possibly, but that guy's got speed. He's very explosive, and as we mentioned during this, talking about this class, there are going to be edge rushers that could have gone much sooner that fall because of the depth at the at the position. It happened on day one, and then here we are on day three. It was a domino effect where now Mario Barno is a sixth-round pick when he could have gotten drafted a lot higher. So fantastic pick for, for the Panthers there. I felt like there were so many crazy testing this year at the combine that no one talked about the fact that Amari Barner ran four, three, six at 240. Pounds. <laughs> it's like, bonkers. Bonkers. Dude, it doesn't make any sense. Like logistically, like it just, yeah, doesn't make any sense. But I, I think six round to take a, take a flyer on a, on a, on a Tracy player like this, like what is the, what's the worst scenario that he doesn't play? Like it, and, but you might get a designated pass rusher, like you said, early on in his career. So, yeah, I like that fit a ton. Another one that I wanted to throw out there, that was my second choice. I went with Lasita Smith, who was uh, for the Virginia Tech Hokies, was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals here in the sixth round. I think he has starter upside at guard, man. I really do. Maybe not this year, but I think long-term this could be a starting guard. He's really physical, displacement power in the run game, good athlete, former tight end recruit coming to Virginia Tech. We had him on the show as well, so he's a good dude as far as, you know, from a – from an intelligence perspective, multi-year starter at Virginia Tech. And I'm telling you, in 2020, when it was him and Christian Darisaw at left tackle on the left side, there were times where when Lasita Smith was most dominant go- player on that offensive mm-hmm. line to, to kind of just illustrate how good he is. So I love that pick in, in the sixth round. At worst, you're getting good depth, but I think there's starter upside with Lasitas. All right, hitting on the seventh round to wrap us up, Ryan. We went with two basketball players. Uh, I picked Chris Paul from Tulsa. Uh, who was the seventh round pick? And I, of course, did not write down which team he was selected by. But I'm bl- I'm completely blanking on which team he went to. Am I- That's so funny. I, I saw. I was going. Oh, the was Commanders. Gonna, the Commanders. Okay. I was going to mention something to you when I saw on the sheet that you wrote down the college. Instead, I was like, oh man, maybe he. I think he forgot to write down what team he got drafted by. Well, though. you already yeah. did that. You did that for a different player in the. But sheet. I remember but what team he got drafted by, Joe. He go. He went to the <laughs> Commanders. Uh, and I, you know, that's a team that their offensive line is starting to fall apart. They lost Brandon Scherf, and I know Chris Paul's not going to step in and start, but got drafted, I think, later than he possibly could have gone. He could have gone sooner. There were some weird picks that were selected ahead of him uh, that were guards, and added depth for the commanders in their offensive line, I think, is perfect. Chris Paul doesn't need to start right away, but you never know. He could end up working his way into the starting lineup. Yeah, no, it's... it's it. I like Chris Paul. He came on the show. I th- he played right tackle during most of his career at Tulsa. He played some guard too. And I think he's got guard upside to maybe mm. be a starter down the line. So yeah, in the seventh round, taking a swing. Like we said, with this overpopulated draft class, there was a lot of day three players that should have went a lot higher. I think Chris Paul is one of them. He's also a senior bowler. So another guy that also went to senior ball, you said there's a play on obviously a, a former basketball player, Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma. The, to the Cleveland Browns. I don't get this one, man. I don't get why he lasted this long. I don't. Because when you watch his Oklahoma film, he plays on the edge. He's played inside a defensive tackle when necessity is kind of brought up. And no matter where he's played, he's been really productive. And he's got length and he's physical. He's not the... He's not going to be the guy that's the most incredible athlete, but I think he understands how to reduce angles. I think he has really strong hands. I think he has inside-outside versatility. Seventh round? Yes. Sign me up. I think the Browns got an absolute steal here with Isaiah Thomas. He was the best player on that defense this past year. And we saw... Asamoa go in the third round. You saw the defensive tackle, I think, go early in the fourth round. Um, what's his name? His name just escaped me for some reason. The 
gosh, why did I forget his name? He was a he was number one JUCO player coming out, defensive tackle. Jermaine Johnson? No. No, no, for Oklahoma. Are you listening? Perry and Winfrey? Perry and Winfrey. Thank you I don't so know. much. I immediately, I don't know. With, I, I, I immediately thought of Jermaine Johnson. for No, nah, you're fine. You're fine. Guy. I'm an idiot. Yeah, so Winfrey, um, Asamoa went early. I think Nick Benito went in the second round. And if you yeah. ask me who was the best player on Oklahoma last year, it was Isaiah Thomas defensively. Like, And I think that he has inside-outside versatility. So at this spot in the seventh round, slam dunk, man. Like, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be a, a good rotational player. I think he's a good football player, man. Like he might never be a high sack guy because he just doesn't have the physical profile, but like I don't see it. I don't see a world where he's not on a roster next year. I'd be very surprised. Yeah, really, really odd that he fell that far in a, in a huge pick for the uh the Cleveland Browns in the seventh round. Folks, that's gonna be it from us. We're closing out the 2022 cycle. Hit subscribe and also make sure you come back for anything. Uh, that we've got coming up for the 2023 cycle. We're going to start doing that very, very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.